Good morning. This morning we'll be reading from Philippians, the third chapter, starting with verse 15 through 21. We have ushers in the aisles, and they have Bibles available. If you didn't bring one or you don't own one, please raise your hand. They'll give you one. If you want to take it home, please feel free to do that. And if you are going to use one of those Bibles today, we'll be reading from page 922. So that's Philippians, the third chapter, starting with verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you on this day especially for fathers. And we thank you that you are our Heavenly Father and you set the very best example we could ever imagine, more than we could even imagine. Help us to want to be more like you. And please bless Pastor Mike as he brings his message now, that we would all have ears to hear, especially the message you have for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, you can have a seat now and you can get comfortable. We're going to be sitting for just a little while now. Uh, I'm going to preach a sermon out of the text that, uh, that, that was just read right from God's Word. Uh, we're just preaching right through God's Word. So I'm going to preach through that. Uh, and then at the end, we'll have an opportunity to sing. So my name is Mike Lee, and I get to be the pastor here at Mission Valley Church. I always say I get to be the pastor here because it's a fantastic church for which to get to be the pastor. I, I love all the people here, and I'm glad that you're here today. If you and I have never met, I'd love to do that too. And so a couple of ways we can do that. Uh, the first is I'm going to be outside afterwards. Janine and her team have done a fantastic job providing all kinds of snacks and treats. And can you just tell Janine this is so good? Uh, it's always so good. Um, and so I'll be out there uh, arm wrestling you for uh, for some of the food. I heard we got like different kinds of treats and, and I'm pretty hungry. So, uh, But if, in between that, I'd love to greet you, shake your hand, fist bump, whatever you're into. Uh, another way that we can meet, if you'll just fill out one of those connect cards. Uh, Brittany talked about it at the beginning of service. She'll talk about it again at the end of the service. If you'll fill out one of those connect cards, I'll reach out to you that way. And then the third way that we can meet, if you want, uh, just send me a text, 602-763-3331. If you didn't get that, ask somebody. Uh, you can send me a text. I'd like to meet with you that way. So before we do anything else, I want to pause today to talk about something remarkable. Uh, we don't do this a lot. We don't make a big deal out of these kind of things a lot. But today is like really, really cool. Uh, it's really, really cool. It's something to celebrate. And so I want to do that. Uh, if, you, uh, if you don't know this, if you don't know them, if you've never uh, got to know them, you should. And so I'm going to ask Bob and Peggy, would you, if, if you would, would you just stand up right, right there? They're right there in the back. They're going to stand up. This is Bob and Peggy. And today they are celebrating their 67th wedding anniversary. 67 years. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Wow. Out of way. 
Fantastic. So good. You can have a seat. Here's the thing about Bob and Peggy. 67 years means that that is a lot of commitment. That's a lot of forgiveness. That is a lot of relying on Jesus. And I think it's applicable to point that out today because today, as we continue on in this sermon series that we are calling Joy in All Things, we are reminded that we can have happiness sometimes. And I'm sure that Bob and Peggy have had some happy days. And also in the same way, there might be days that are hard, difficult days, uh, troublesome days, days where there's stress and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. But in Christ, we can have joy in all things. And I think joy in all things is the kind of fuel it takes to have a marriage that lasts 67 years. So congratulations to you both. We're so proud of you and humbled to just be in the room with you. Yeah. Yeah. Peggy said, or Bob said, I'll take you anywhere you want to go, sweetheart. I'll take you anywhere you want to go today. It's our 67th anniversary. Where do you want to go? You want to go to Hawaii? You want to go to Cancun? Where do you want to go? She said, I want to go to Mission Valley Church. I think that's fantastic. Fantastic. Good job, Bob. Hero. Anyways, um, fantastic. We're uh, in this sermon series today, Philippians. And today, the question that I have for you is, who do you follow? Who do you follow? Who is it that you're following? And some of you that are, that are of a younger generation will immediately think to like your social media. Like, I don't know, who do I follow? I mean, who, who do I follow? Who do I like? Who, who are the influencers that, that, I, that I look after? Some of you are wondering, well, what does that mean? Uh, like, who do I follow? Like, what, like, who do I follow? Who do I model my life after? Who is it that I follow? And I guess we may follow a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons. For example, maybe you're somebody that would follow a guy like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I would tell you this, if you want to learn how to be a bodybuilder, you should totally follow him. If you want to learn how to go from being like, a, like an immigrant brand new in, into this country to becoming the governor of California, uh, if you want to learn how to like make action movies, if you want to learn how to say like hasta la vista, baby, like that kind of stuff, if that's your bag, if you want to go learn how to do all that kind of stuff, you should totally follow a guy like him. But you should be warned, warned that he's not a Christian. He's not a Christian. He literally believes that there is no God and that when you die, nothing happens. Somebody asked him just recently, they said, hey, Arnold, what, what happens when you die? And he said, nothing, nothing happens. They said, well, is there a God? He said, no, there's no God. And so I want you to know that you can follow Arnold for all kinds of stuff, but don't be getting your theology from him because he will lead you astray. Somebody said, well, maybe I'll follow somebody that's more spiritual than Arnold. Maybe I'll follow a person like Gandhi. And I want to tell you this, if you want to learn about peaceful protest, Go ahead. If you want to learn about handling dispute without violence, fine. He's a, a good guy to get some information from, but be warned he's not a Christian. He, he literally believed that Jesus was a historical person, but he did not believe in Jesus as Messiah and Savior. And so I don't want you to follow him. I don't want you to get your theology from him because he will lead you astray. Somebody might say, well, I, I don't want to follow anybody like that. I don't want to follow a Christian. I'm going to follow somebody like this guy. This is Samuel Stanley. Samuel Stanley is the little guy in this picture. This is Samuel Stanley. And he became a Christian recently and got baptized two weeks ago. And truth be told, I would much rather you follow Samuel Stanley than either of the other two men that I just pointed out because he's a Christian. He absolutely believes in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He told us as much right before he got baptized. The only issue with Samuel is that he's a little young. He's a little young. He's a little new to the faith. He's, he's still trying to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so I would be, be kind of hesitant for you to get all of your theology from him. I would be hesitant for you to say, hey, Samuel, I'm trying to figure out how to manage my bills because I think he would say, buy more candy. You know, I think, I think, I think you'd be like, I think you probably need more candy. I don't know that you'd be like, hey, Samuel, I'm trying to figure out how to like love my wife better. He'd be like, yeah, girls are gross. Like, I just, like, I don't, I don't think you want to get all of your stuff from him. You got to be careful who you follow. And so the question really is, who do you follow? 
Who do you follow? And this is an important question. It's an important question to think about. It's an important question that requires an important warning. And that important warning is our big idea today, which is simply this. Christian, be careful who you follow. Christian, be careful who you follow. As I look out and I see you and I I look at this church and I look at the people in this church that I love and I care about, my warning today for you is the same warning that Paul is giving to this church at Philippi, these, these Philippians, these people that he loves. He's saying, be careful who you follow. And you need to be careful who you follow because there are those, there are those who either through maliciousness or carelessness or even just immaturity would lead you astray and because of that some of you will say well I don't want to follow anyone then there are those out there that would lead you astray either through maliciousness or carelessness or just a lack of maturity and so because of that because we have to just be careful who we follow some people will say well I don't really want to follow anybody today but if we look at today's text if we look at this passage we get our first kind of big key point today which is simply this Christian sanctification is a process and others can help you with this we'll talk about this word sanctification here in just a second but I want to look at what Paul writes in verse 15 and 16 he says let those of us who are mature think this way and if in anything you think otherwise God will reveal that also to you only let us hold true to what we have attained here is the thing Paul is saying that some of us are mature Some of us have reached maturity. That means that others are probably not. It stands to reason that if Paul is saying, hey, some of us have reached maturity, then that means that also some people haven't yet. And this is because sanctification is a process. We keep talking about this word sanctification. And if you're new here today, I want you to know that Janine does a good job of making sure that I explain the churchy words. I'm not supposed to use churchy words unless I say what they mean. And Janine, she's staring at me. She's like, you said it three times. If you say that word one more time, and she's going to throw something at me. Unlike Jerry, she's not afraid to. There's a lot of women in this church that are happy to throw stuff at me. Natalie's another one. Here's what it means. Sanctification is the process by which we become more and more like Jesus. It is the process by which we become less and less like the world and more and more like a Jesus more and more like Jesus it is a process salvation happens when we believe in the life death and resurrection of Jesus it's what happens when Jesus saves us we go from being dead to alive that's salvation and then sanctification happens that's the process and that process starts the day we first believe and it continues all the way through until Jesus calls us home it's a process and i want you to know that other people can help you in that process they can help you along in that process process. Those who are mature, those who are maturing, those who are, who are, are, are further along in the process can help you with that. And as I look back on my life, as I, as I just sort of look back, there's a laundry list of people who have helped me in my process. I became a Christian. I became a Christian when I was about 17 years old. And I think I'm 44 right now. I forget this all the time. I think I'm 44. But, and I can't do quick math. There's been a lot of years between 17 and 44. Some of those years longer than others. Thank you, daughters. But anyways, uh, some, some of those years longer than others. But as I look back, there's just been a laundry list of people that have helped me in this process. Regular people. People like Brian Brubaker and Norm Harris and Penny Lee. She's still doing it. She's been working on me for a long time. 23 years, she just just like, geez, come on, get it, figure it out. Uh, guys like Tim Harrington and Larry Hostetler and Ken Pisano and Payson Kenyon. And of course, the list goes on today. It includes people that are sitting in this room, people like Matt Johnson and, and, and some of the other elders. And Kobe Bartolucci's right over there. And, and Janine Johnson's over there. And Natalie's over there. And Karen's somewhere in here. And Andy, all these people still I'm looking to and, and, and getting help in this process. And there's so much to living a life on mission. 
There's so much to living a life on mission to make Jesus known, and other people can help you in that. Others can help you in that. We live in a world where as much as we are connected with social media and technology and all that stuff, in some ways we are living so much further apart than we used to. We have all of these surface-level conversations with people. We have so many surface-level relationships with people. But what we need is deep, meaningful relationships with people that can encourage us. Who's encouraging you? You need people that can challenge you. Nobody ever challenges each other on Facebook. They either like your picture or they don't. They're either happy for you that you're eating those cupcakes or they're not, right? But you need people that will challenge you, deep, meaningful relationships where this is happening, people that will remind you of truths. Here's the thing. It is easy to live in this world and start to believe lies, lies about ourselves, lies that, that others would have us believe, lies that say you're not good enough or you're not, you're not strong enough, you're not a good parent, you're not a good spouse. And there, you need to have people in your life that will just simply speak truth in to. You need to have people in your life who will help expose sin in your life. Somebody that will love you enough to say, hey, that thing that you're doing is not good for you. That, that thing that you're, that, you're, that you're getting involved in is not good for you. It's not helpful for you. It is taking you further away from God. It's not for you. So stop it. You need people in your life like that. You, quite frankly, need people in your life for whom it is okay to not be okay around. See, I think the thing that happens in this world is that we're walking around. So many people are walking around every single day trying to put on some kind of facade like everything's going fantastic. And I would tell you that it's such a blessing to have somebody in your life that you can call up or send a text and be like, hey, I'm not okay today. I could use some help. I could use some prayer. I'm doubting myself. I'm doubting my beliefs. I'm doubting what's going on. You need people in your life that can help you in this process. The warning simply is choose the right someone to help you in this. Choose the right someones, the people that are going to speak biblical truth into your life, the people that are going to speak biblical encouragement into your life. Be careful who you choose. Christian, you can follow after mature Christians. If you wonder, well, who should I choose to help me in this process of, of sanctification as Jesus is molding me and changing me and making me more like him, who should I get help from? Well, you should choose people, mature Christians that you can follow after. This is what it says in verse 17. It says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Look what you look at here. And what Paul says, Paul is writing this, this passage to, to the church at Philippi, and he says something really, really bold here. I don't want us to miss this. This is a really, really bold statement. He says, he says he's so bold. He says, you can imitate me. He says, you can go ahead and imitate me. You can follow me. And you can keep your eyes on those like me, those who are walking in this example, those who are walking in the Lord. He says, you can do it like I do it, and I won't lead you astray. This is a really bold statement. He's saying, if you don't know exactly what else to do, just follow me. Paul actually says it even more clearly in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, when he says this, follow after me as I follow after Christ Jesus. This is a tremendously bold statement. Just to look at a group of people and say, hey, if you can't figure out how to do it, just do it like I'm doing it. If you don't have a good plan for how to do life, just do it like I'm doing it. I'm following so hard after Jesus, and if you'll follow me, you will also. It's a bold statement. This is actually the bold statement that I've been challenging the men of this church to make. This is the bold statement that I believe the women of this church ought to be able to make. I think it's applicable that today happens to be Father's Day. This is what I would want fathers to be able to say. 
I would want every single father to be able to look at his kids and say, follow after me as I follow after Jesus. Do what I'm doing just like I'm trying to do that which Jesus would have me do. For people to say that to their kids, for people to say that to their friends, to their co-workers, to, to others in this church, to follow after me as I follow after Jesus. But if we were to follow after mature Christians, what is maturity? If we just say, if I'm going to stand up here and say, hey, you should follow after mature Christians, you have to ask yourself, well, what does it mean to be a mature Christian? And I want you to know it's probably not what you think it is. Maturity is not mostly age. You, you can look at somebody and say, well, I don't know, they're 65 years old. They must know a lot about what it is to follow Jesus. Well, they may or they may not. There's a lot of people that have been walking on this earth for a really long time that aren't any closer to Jesus than they were 25 years ago. And so age is not the number one thing. It may be a contributing factor. It may give them some uh, degree of, 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 you know, of, of maturity, but it's not the most important thing. Some people say, well, it's the length of time since they got baptized. You say, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't follow Samuel because, you know, he got baptized just a couple of weeks ago, but I would follow that other guy. It seems like he got baptized when the dinosaurs were around. And I would tell you that when you got baptized is not necessarily the best clue about your maturity in Christ. There's a book out. It's not a very, uh, it's not a very like, like loving or like endearing book. There's a book out that talks about this. It's a book called Real Life Discipleship. And in it, he talks about old baby Christians. Old babies, old babies are just like people that like they've known Jesus for a really, really long time, but they're not allowing Jesus to transform them. And they're not allowing Jesus to change them. They won't sit under his word. They won't, they won't listen to him. And so they lack maturity. Some people think, well, it must be knowledge of scripture. Like I, I can't follow this guy because he doesn't know enough about the Bible. He hasn't memorized enough stuff. And I want you to know it's not mostly that. So what is it? What is it to be mature in Christ? What does maturity look like? Well, it looks like what Paul wrote about that we read last week in verses 12 through 14. This is probably a fantastic description of a mature Christian. This is what it says in verse 12 through 14. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Maturity looks like that. That's what maturity looks like. It's, I haven't perfectly figured this out, but I'm leaving my past behind me. I'm striving for what's in front of me, and I'm trusting Jesus with every step. That's what maturity looks like. One of my uh, first encounters, one of my first one-on-ones, when we merge these two churches together, one of the first things I got to do, I'm going to embarrass him probably a little bit because he's not the kind of guy that likes to get called out, but one of the very first meetings that I had here in a one-to-one -one setting, I met with Scott Van Loan. Scott, he's over there. He's like, oh, man, he's doing it. Scott, you're just so good. I can't help it. I mean, I have a meeting with Scott Van Loan. He says, I just want to get to know you. I want to talk to you. Uh, and, and, and when I read this passage, I'm reminded of Scott. Every time I come across this passage, as I've been prepping this for months, just reading over Philippians over and over again, every time I read this passage, like Scott's face comes into my, like, right, like boom, he's right there. It's just this Scott. I just see it. Like if there was like a, like a picture Bible, it would have this verse, and then there's Scott right next to it. In that meeting, he said, this is what Scott said to me in our very first meeting. He said, I'm not sure if I'm the best man to be an elder or, or, or the top guy to be an elder because I'm still learning so much. And I was like, boom, that's humility. 
Scott's one of the most humble guys I've ever met. He knows the Bible. He knows God's word. He knows how to do things. And yet he walks around with so much humility. He's one of the most humble guys I've ever met. And then he said, but I do love the Lord and I love his church and I feel led to serve here. That's calling. He senses a calling in his life. God's calling him to do something. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to strain forward towards that. Forget what's behind me. I'll strain on and, and do the best that I can with that. He says, I love to help others get closer to him. And so he hosts a group of people in his house with his wife, Kim, who's fantastic, by the way. That's called competency. We actually see him doing the work. And then after watching him for several months and interacting not only with him, but also with his children and his grandchildren, all of whom are privileged to call him dad and grandpa and all those amazing things. I see unbelievable character. Scott is a mature Christian. I mean, he happens to be old too, but that's just like a bonus. He's a mature Christian. He's mature. He's not perfect because he's not Jesus, but he's mature. And of course, there are plenty of other people right here in this church, people that you can follow, people who are mature in their belief. There are people walking around here whose names are not Paul and Timothy, like the people that we read in this letter, just regular people that are sitting in and among your midst. Uh, if, you, if you don't know this, our elders here, Matt, Andy, Scott, Nate, Eric, these are mature believers. They wouldn't be allowed to be elders if they weren't. These are people that can say, you can follow me. We wouldn't allow them to be elders if they couldn't. Your staff members, Janine, Jen, Natalie, Natalie, Karen, Jerry, Kobe, Donnie, they're, they're mature believers. We wouldn't ask you to like sit under their leadership, to sit under their sub-team leadership if they weren't mature followers, if they weren't mature Christians, your discipleship group, group leaders, too many to list, just way too many to list. But if you're a discipleship group in this leader, in this church, you are there in that spot because I am looking at you. The elders are looking at you saying the other body, the rest of the body can follow after you as you follow after Jesus. Church, there are so many regular, nameless Christians that you can follow so you can stop trying to follow all these celebrities out there. There's so many just regular, day-to-day -day Christians who are mature in their faith, and you can follow them. So make sure that you are following mature Christians. Likewise, here's another truth. Christian, there are people you should not follow. There's just people out there that are not good for you to follow. It will not go well for you to follow certain people. This is where Paul is really going to turn this into a warning. This is where I am really going to turn this into a warning. This is what he says in verse 18 and 19. He says, For many, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. They walk as enemies. He's, he's saying this through tears. He goes, I hate to say this. So I'm going to say it through tears. There are those out there that are walking as enemies of the cross of Christ. And here's what will happen. He says, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. This sounds harsh, and there's a reason why. This sounds really harsh, and there's a reason why. This is a stern warning against following those that Paul calls enemies of the cross of Christ. Those that Paul would say, hey, those people are enemies of the cross. They're enemies of Jesus, and so don't follow them. Paul says their end is destruction because their end is destruction. He doesn't want these people that make up the church at Philippi to follow them. He's very, very concerned that if these, ch these, these church members of the church of Philippi start following these other people who are enemies of Christ, whose end is destruction, that they will also be led to destruction. 
And so let me be real, real for a second. Let me be really real. Let me be super real. As your pastor, as your pastor who loves you far more than you probably realize, I can tell you that I don't want you to follow people to destruction either. As I, I look out in the room and I see people in this room that I think about, that I care about, people that Penny and I talk about on our walk, this is what we do when we go for a walk. We go for a walk pretty much every morning. Uh, Penny woke up this morning with a migraine. She's like, we got to go anyway. We got stuff to do on this walk. We always go on this walk. We go on the walk and we talk about our kids. We talk to God. We talk, to our, talk about our kids. What's going on with the kids? And then we said, what's going on with the church members? What's going on with the church? Where's so-and-so at? How's, how's so-and-so doing? Are they getting out of the hospital? What's happening? How's that marriage going on? We've been talking about what's going on. We talk about you because we care about you. We love you. We really, really do. Care about you and love you. That's what we do. We, we love you a lot. We don't get it perfect, but we love you a lot. We talk about you and we love you. And so here's what I don't want for you. I don't want you to follow people that could lead you into harm. I don't want you to. I don't want you to follow people that could lead you into harm. I don't want anybody in this church following somebody that could lead them into harm. And there are a lot of different kinds of people that will lead you into harm. There's a lot of different kinds of people out there, either through maliciousness or carelessness or just immaturity, will lead you into harm. And today I just want to highlight three of them. The first kind of people I don't want you to follow is those who know Jesus but are not mature or maturing. I don't want you to follow these people. I don't want you to follow immature Christians because they are still early on in the process of sanctification themselves. They're still trying to figure it out. There are those new in belief or simply not people that, have, that, are, that are, can say, I'm forgetting what's behind and I'm striving for what's ahead, and I don't want you to follow them. They're not, they're not ready for you to follow them. It would actually be putting unfair pressure on them. I mean, if we were all to line up behind Samuel and be like, all right, dude, tell us what to do next. He's like, are you kidding me? I'm going to try to figure out like elementary school for a second. Give me a minute. Like I just, I just became a Christian. Give me a second. It would be unfair pressure to put on him. If we all just like get on behind Samuel and said, hey, we're trying to figure out what to do with the church finances. What do you think, man? He's like, I, I don't know. Candy, I think. That's what you say. It would be unfair. And I'm not concerned about immature Christians leading you astray maliciously, but I'm very concerned about them leading you astray carelessly or accidentally. And so as you're looking for Christians to follow after, I want you to ask yourself, is this a mature Christian? In that, is this the kind of Christian that would say, I'm following after Jesus, I'm forgetting what's behind and I'm striving for what's ahead. I want you to be careful about following these kind of people. The second group of people that I, I just don't want you to follow are those who don't know Jesus. I'm just going to flat out say it. I don't want you to follow after those people that don't know Jesus, people that are not Christians yet. I'm very concerned when a Christian follows someone who's not a Christian. I want you to just at least recognize I'm following this person that's not a Christian. Maybe I'm following for, for a very specific reason, but I want you to be careful. And I just don't think it's a good idea. I love people who are not Christians yet, but I don't want you to follow them. It's why I would never, ever approve of my children even dating someone who's not yet a Christian. I have, I have two daughters. i got a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old, and they're coming to that age where it's like dating seems like it would be like, I don't know, maybe something they'd be interested in. And I would tell them, like, don't even think about dating somebody yet who's not a Christian. Don't do that. That's going to lead you astray. And this sounds harsh, and I don't mean to sound harsh, but I do mean to sound firm. I do mean to sound firm. Those who don't know and don't have and don't have yet believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus live differently and value things differently than those for whom they have been saved by Jesus. I want you to just recognize this, that people that don't know Jesus yet live in some ways differently than those that do know Jesus. For example, think about this. If you are not a Christian, here is perfectly good non-Christian advice. Follow your heart. That's perfectly good non-Christian advice. Follow your heart. 
It's all over the place. We can probably buy bumper stickers like that. We can find cards that say that at Hallmark. We can find all kinds of stuff. And if you are not a Christian, that seems like really good advice. But if you're a Christian, you know that that's horrible advice. Because our hearts want all kinds of stuff that's not good for us. Our hearts want all kinds of things that are bad for us. And so if somebody says to me, follow your heart, I'm like, no, no, and I'm not following you anymore either. My heart's like messed up. I want stuff all day that's not good for me. A a mature Christian knows that that's horrible advice, and this applies in all different aspects of your life. I don't want to go to a non-Christian to try to get advice about how to be married to my wife. I don't want to go to a non-Christian about how to get advice about what to do with my money. Because he's going to have different views, different wisdoms that are not applicable for those that don't know Jesus. And the third kind of people that I really want you to be careful of, the people I really don't want you to follow, is those who know Jesus but fail to recognize him as Jesus. Those people out there that know Jesus, they know who Jesus is, but they will not recognize him as Jesus. They will not see him as Savior, Messiah. They will not sit under his authority. They will not sit under the authority of his word. These people, in my mind, are the most dangerous for you to follow. These are the people who maybe even appear to be Christian, and so they appear to be safe to follow, but they don't recognize Jesus. They don't sit under the authority of his word. They don't submit to his Holy Spirit or his Holy Word. These are people who may look a lot like Christians, so they may be easy to follow, but following them can lead you to destruction. This is why it's so very important when you're thinking about, like, who will I follow after? Who who will I sit under the authority of? you got to ask yourself, is this person sitting firmly under the authority of Jesus? Are they sitting under the Holy Spirit's conviction? Are they sitting under God's holy word? Are they doing that? It's why in this church we literally have things like Preaching Collective where we open up the Bible together to get ready for sermons and we say, hey, is this what the text says? Because I don't want to stand up here on stage and accidentally mislead you. I don't want to do that. It's why we have somebody in charge of discipleship groups who has to go around and check and make sure that what's happening in discipleship groups is actually biblical. That the people there are being shepherded well. It's why we have elders that are responsible for every single member of this church. That they could check in on you and find out if you're listening to stuff or, or taking in stuff or absorbing stuff that is different than what God's word is. This is critical. Church, there are just people out there that you shouldn't follow. Just people that you shouldn't follow. People who, who, who will either through carelessness or maliciousness will lead you towards destruction, and I just don't want it for you in the same way that Paul doesn't want it for the church at Philippi. Here's the thing I do want you to know. Here's where we turn from warning to good news. Christian, you are a citizen of heaven, so live and follow accordingly. This is where we turn from a warning when the room feels like, man, this is like a strict sermon today, a strict warning. This is where we start to flip it and it starts to get good. This is where we're going to start to get ready to sing, Kobe, but just hang out there for just a second. This is where it's going to start to get good. You ready for it to get good? Here it is. Christian, you are a citizen of heaven, so live and follow accordingly. This is what Paul says in verse 20. He says, our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you stopped and thought about this? You are a citizen of heaven right now. Like, you're going to spend eternity there if you're a Christian, but you're a citizen of heaven right now. Like, what's your citizenship? Oh, heaven. Oh, where do you live? Phoenix. Wow, it's hot here. Yeah, but, like, but I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm just visiting Phoenix now. Like, I'm living as, like, like, a, like, a foreigner in Phoenix right now because I'm a citizen of heaven. It is who you are. If you are a Christian, then being a Christian is the truest thing about you. It is the most important thing about you. It's who you are, and it's, it's the most important thing. And so when I think about myself, when I think about my life, and I think about all the titles that I have, 
I got like a lot of titles. People call me different stuff, like husband, dad, pastor, coolest guy they know, right? I, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know who you are. Thanks for saying it. Some people call me president of, of the company that, that I work at. All of them come after the title of being Christian. Christian is the truest thing about me. It's the most important thing about me. I am a Christian, a citizen of heaven who happens to be a husband, father, pastor, coolest guy you know. And as such, I wouldn't follow someone or get advice about how to be a husband from somebody that's not a Christian. And I wouldn't want you to either. As a citizen of heaven, I wouldn't get parenting advice from someone who's not a Christian, and I wouldn't want you to either. As a citizen of heaven, I wouldn't want to get much of any kind of advice about how to live in this world from somebody who is not also a citizen of heaven. What would a non-citizen of heaven know about what it's like to live in a foreign country as a citizen of heaven? I get excited. I think we don't take this seriously enough. I really do. I think we don't take this seriously enough. I think we don't take this warning and this encouragement to live as citizens of heaven seriously enough. We think things like, well, it'll probably be all right if I follow this person, even though they don't believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It'll probably be fine. It probably wouldn't go that bad for me. It'll probably be all right. But remember what Paul wrote just a few verses ago. Their way is destruction. Their way is destruction. Look, here's something we don't like to talk about. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody gets to the Father except through me. And so if you're following someone on earth who is not going to spend eternity with Jesus, I'm concerned for you both. I'm concerned for you both. Live like the citizen of heaven you are and be careful who you follow. And if this sermon ended here, or the passage ended here, we could probably leave here today well warned. And that'd probably be a pretty good thing. Some of us maybe need a real good warning today, but I want you to leave here rejoicing. If we just end the sermon right here, we did, well, that, we, got, we warned everybody really good. I warned you all, so get after it. Good luck. But I don't want you to leave here just warned. I want you to leave here singing. I want you to leave here singing with full be bellies of food that Janine gave you. All right, it's going to be so good. I want you to leave here rejoicing and singing. I want you to leave here feeling maybe some conviction, but certainly no condemnation. And so here is our fifth idea today. It's simply this. Christian, rejoice greatly because it's Jesus who's changing you. You can rejoice greatly because it's Jesus who's changing you. This is what it says. If we back up, we'll read it again. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will, who will, Jesus will, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to be subject all things to himself. If you are a Christian, it's Jesus who's transforming you. If you are a Christian, it's Jesus who's shaping you and molding you. If you are a Christian, it is Jesus who's gently removing things and people from your life who are not good for you. If you are a Christian, it is Jesus who's convicting you and pressing you and molding you while at the same time not condemning you. And because it is Jesus who's doing the work, we should follow him. Yeah, you can get excited about that. I want you to know that you can learn a lot from following mature followers of Jesus, but first and foremost, you and I should be following after Jesus. Just follow Scott Van Loan. Follow him. You'd be good to follow him. If you can't figure out a good plan for how to love your wife, follow Scott. He knows how to do it. If you can't figure out a good plan for how to raise some kids, follow Scott. He knows how to do it. If you can't figure out a good plan for how to read your Bible, go talk to Scott. He'll do that. But Scott is not Jesus, and I'm telling you, you can just follow Jesus directly. 
I want you to know that you can first and foremost follow Jesus. First and foremost, we should be praying to Jesus, asking him to guide us and submitting to his authority. First and foremost, we should be opening his holy word and allowing it to convict us and sit under its authority. I think sometimes we underappreciate the fact. We underappreciate the fact that God has left us his holy word and we tend to look to all other sources for how to live before this book. We look at all kinds of other stuff, like give me all the podcasts I can listen to. Just open up God's word. You don't have to listen to every other person in the whole world. Why don't you just listen to God? What does it say? When's the last time you said, I don't really know how to deal with this situation that I got going on in my life, and so I'm just going to open up the Bible and see if it has anything to say about that. It's got so much to say about that if we'll just sit under it. I think sometimes we underappreciate that because of Jesus, we have direct access to God. And so we look to all sorts of other people. Well, I wonder what this person thinks. I wonder what this person thinks. Why don't we just go pray to God? When's the last time you just got on your knees and said, God, I don't know what to do in this situation, so I'm submitting all of my life to you. Please help me to figure out, convict me with your Holy Spirit. You have good reason to rejoice today because it's Jesus that's doing this work. No matter how many times you and I mess this up, no matter how many times we look to outside sources, it's God that's doing the work. It's Jesus that's doing the work. It's Jesus that's transforming us, and so we can rejoice. So here's the warning. Be careful who you follow. Be careful. Just be careful who you follow. The sanctification's a process, and other people can help. Follow after mature Christians. Don't follow after others. Remember that you're a citizen of heaven, so live accordingly and rejoice because it's ultimately Jesus who is transforming. But what if you came in here today and you're not a Christian? What if you just came in here today and you're not a Christian? Maybe you got invited to this church. Maybe you're just driving by and you saw a sign. Maybe somebody just invited you. Maybe you've been coming here for a really, really long time, but you're not a Christian. Well, I want you to know that you yourself are on a path that's not good. What if you're here today and it's you that's on this path of destruction? And what if, not only that, what if you've been believing you're okay? What if you've never been told that one day every single person will have to stand before a perfect God and that God will judge whether you will spend eternity with him or eternity separated from him? What if you're here today and you're not a Christian? If you're sitting in this room or listening into this sermon and you're like, my gosh, I'm not a Christian. I don't know what would happen when I die. I don't know where I would go. If that's you, I want you to know that every single Christian in the room today was exactly where you were until Jesus came and saved them and they believed. They believed. They believed the gospel, which is basically this. God made the world and everything was perfect. God made the world and everything was perfect. It worked exactly like it was supposed to. Everything was fantastic. But then man sinned and we broke it. And you and I sin all the time. If you don't know the words, if it's, sin is a churchy word to you, it's simply this. It's when we do things that God doesn't want us to do, and we don't do the things that God does want us to do. And even if you've never been to church, you have a pretty good idea what sin is. All of us are an expert in sin because the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And not only did sin break the world, but it did something far worse than that. It did something far worse than that. It separated us from a perfect God. God's so perfect, you can't be around sin. And so when we sin, it separates us from God. But God didn't want to leave us in that separated state, and so he sent Jesus down here. If you don't know what Jesus did, Jesus came on a rescue mission. Jesus came down to save dead people. Jesus came down here to live the perfect life that you and I could never live, to die the horrific death that you and I deserved, and to defeat that death so that anyone who would believe in him could spend eternity with him. That is what every Christian in the room believes. And if you've never believed that before, I want to invite you to believe that today. I want to invite you to believe that today and start following him. Can you believe? Let's pray.
God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this letter to the church at Philippi. We thank you for this warning to remember that we need to think about who we follow. We thank you that you've made us citizens of heaven. God, if there's anybody in this room today or listening in on this sermon that's never believed in you, who is not currently a citizen of heaven, I ask you to do what only you can do. I ask you to save them. I ask you to give them the faith to believe, that they could believe in you, that they could believe in your life, death, and resurrection, that they could live like someone who believes in that. I ask all these things in your son's name. Amen.